Would you open God's precious holy word to Ephesians chapter 5? And we've come now to this chapter 5 and we'll look at the first seven verses today. Remember, it's all built on the previous thing. Chapters 1, 2, and 3 speak of our position in Christ. We are, it is positional in its teaching. Chapters 4, 5, and 6 speak of our practice as Christians. Chapters 1, 2, and 3, positional. Chapters 4, 5, and 6, practical. Part of the description that Paul uses is how we, in our practical living, take off the old coat the tattered thing that's not any good, and put on the new. We are a new man in Christ, he teaches us in Ephesians. And then another analogy is how we walk, how we are to walk in Christ as Christians. The Ephesians lived in a difficult place, in a difficult time, and it seems as though... (laughs) We are fast returning to those awful times of paganism. You may recall from the book of Acts how there was an uproar in Ephesus over the the gospel of Christ. The, The goddess Artemis or Diana was there, big temple, and the silversmiths were making a lot of money. It was the driving force of the economy. Uh, this pagan worship of the goddess. People turning to Christ, they turned away from false gods and goddesses, and this was upsetting the economy. And there was a great disturbance in the city of Ephesus. They hounded the apostle and drove people out of town. It was a dangerous time, really, for those who were believers and especially those who preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is probably the first place where this letter landed. We studied this in the early part back at the first of our study many weeks ago, that it's a letter to the saints. And it seemed by careful study that the term or the phrase in Ephesus was added later by a copyist and probably intended for all of the churches in that area. So we, you and I here today in Somerville at Shiloh, we just, we rest on what the Holy Spirit invites. And this is a letter to the saints. Of course, it is as applicable to us as today as it was for these saints back in those days. Our walk with Christ. The the analogy has become a walk already. He said that uh, in the practicality of our Christian lives, we are to walk in humility. Then he said we are to walk in unity. And he continues to add to the characteristics of Christianity and the walk we find ourselves in as we come to this portion of the scriptures Imitators of God. How do you do that? How do you imitate God? 
You have to first know him before you can mimic him. That's the important part of the lesson. How well do you know God? May I say to you from personal experience, I lost count of how many times I have read the Bible all the way through. Probably, I'm not even going to try. As, as the Lord some many years ago advanced me in my studies, I, I would read it through in its original languages. And then as I would read it through, I'd, I would compare and contrast the various translations that, that were available for the English language and, and so forth. And, so, and then I would get with, with parallel readings with, with Hebrew scholars in Israel in these group talks online. And, and, and I had a, I had a, a tutor who was a, a Greek who was born in Greece and he's dead now, but he tutored me for uh, some years and has spoken for me in, in my church, Spiros Zodiatis, he, he helped me in the Greek so many years ago and put me on a, a path of how to study, where to study, what to study. And so I keep trying before the Lord to discover more and more things about God. And I want to tell you this, the Bible is a, is a living thing. It bears witness with my spirit. And every time I get through, I've learned new and greater and higher and deeper things about my God, my creator, my savior. Things that I didn't know before. And I think the invitation for me and for all of us is to spend into the ages of the ages even into the new heaven and new earth, continuing to learn about God and never find a way to exhaust the unsearchable riches of truth. Because God is God and he's way above us. And that means that we can spend forever learning more and more about him because he's an exponential, in, in, he's infinite, he just, you'll never exhaust who he is. So how do you, how do you, can you be an imitator of God? Well, you learn as much as you can about him. And here's what you'll find. You'll find every time you go through the precious scriptures that you'll identify characteristics of God that are presently not fitted into your life. We can never, get, we can never gain perfection in this present life. But we can find that in this life, learning more about God, we can become better followers, imitators of God. With that in mind, let's look at this passage of Scripture. This passage begins with an imperative in the Greek text. And here it is. Now, a therefore, when you see a therefore, that means that it's built on what was just said. We'll think about that in just a second. Therefore, be. Therefore, be. We're going to say that word is an imperative. Be imitators 
of God, mimetai. Word mimic comes from that Greek word. Can be translated followers, imitators. Give you a, I'll give you a, an earthen illustration. All of us dads who have sons have experienced when they begin to walk and pay attention, they'll try to do the things that dad does. They can't do it very well, but they're trying. They'll put the shoes on. They'll choke themselves to death with a tie. I used to wear a tie all the time. God has saved me. When I was pastor in Key West, I was delivered from things. <laughs> you just wear one all the time. You have a little guy over there trying his best to put some kind of string around his neck. And that's about how smart ties are, in my opinion. As no, they're good. I used to sell them. <laughs> Trying to be an imitator of father. A follower, a mimic, to mimic what daddy does. Daughters are the same way with mothers. There are more things that daughters can get into and mess up than boys can. So the point is this, do your best, but understand You'll smear your face the wrong way every once in a while. Or you'll try to wear shoes that are too big. But at least do your best to imitate, to follow, to mimic God. Now you can't be an imitator of God unless and until you know something about God. And that knowledge of God, the challenge for us as disciples of Christ is to grow in that knowledge forever in this life until the last breath is drawn and we repose and give up this ghost to await the, the, the glorification of a justified life. Therefore, since these other things have just been said that we looked at last time. Imperative, this is a command. Be imitators of God as beloved children because you love God. If God is wise, then you try to be wise. If God is holy, then you seek to be holy. If God demonstrates whatever attributes are demonstrated then be an imitator, a follower, a mimic of God as beloved children. And here comes the next characteristic of our walk. And walk in love. Of course, the word is agape. Now, that's not an emotion. Hear me. And it is not conditional. Other kinds of love are conditional. We talked about the different kinds of love that are in the Greek language. 
But this is just a different thing here. Agape. This is an unconditional walk. An unconditional lifestyle. We, 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 those first three ch chapters of, of Ephesians were so powerful. I submit and I dare say that the first three chapters of, Ephes of Ephesians are the highest teaching in the Christian faith. Now, positioned in Christ, God has made us to be his beloved children. And the Holy Spirit, who he has planted in our lives, has caused us to be born again. And there's a difference between the Christian's walk and the walk of those who are still in the world. And we saw that walk last time. And that's how we once walked. We were slaves of sin, enslaved in a nature of sin, dead in trespass and sin until God, as Peter says, caused us to be born again. And now, children of love walk in that love. How does God love us? How long could we spend in a series just on the love of God? If I mess up, fill a word in so that I don't forget it. If we could, if we with ink could the ocean fill and the sky of parchment made and every stalk on earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade to write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry nor could the scroll Contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. O oh, love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong. It shall forevermore endure the saints and angels' song. The love of God. I ain't going to sing it. All right. How could you write the love you can't? That song, some writer put a verse in that song and tried to describe, but you can't. His point was, it's indescribable. But it is taught in the Bible. How far can we go? Walk in love. To be a mimic of God, a follower of God an imitator of God. Well, here is what it's not. And may I go back to what we looked at last time. This is back in chapter four, just above where we are now. 
bitterness, rage, anger, clamor, slander. That can't stay with you. If you're born again, malice. But this is what comes. Kindness to one another, tenderhearted. But here, this next one is the foundation of all of it. This is a good measure of how far along you are as an imitator of God regarding his love. Forgiving each other as also God in Christ forgave you. When I translated it, I don't know how I came out with on, but it's in. In Christ forgave you. It's pretty simple. The love that I extend to the best of my ability has to be the imitation of what God's love has as it's been extended to me, the love of God. All I have to do is think of myself. I'm a rascal. I'm a stinker. I'm a sinner. I'm a wretch. I'm a worm. I'm lower than whale manure, and it's the lowest thing on earth. God loved me. Extended his love to me. I'm a sinner. Not just the things that I've done, but the things that I should have done that I didn't do. The thoughts that I've had, the words that I've spoken. I'm a sinner. And yet he forgave me. I have offended him in as many ways as a person can offend another. My thoughts condemn me, but he has forgiven me because he has positioned me in Christ. Chapters one through three. He has placed me in Christ. He has given me the gift of faith. He has called me to himself with an irresistible call. He has made me his and has taught me that I have always been his registered in his book from before the foundation of the world and now I don't deserve what he has done for me but regardless he loves me and in Christ he has forgiven me how far you can measure God's love that comes from you to others can start with forgiveness. Because every time you see the mandate of a Christian to forgive each other, it's always tagged with that last part because God forgave you in Christ. If they just left that part out. But the Holy Spirit did not. So here's the imperative Therefore, because of these things, because of those, now you have an imperative to be imitators of God as beloved children, and you're to walk in love. This is unconditional, this agape. It's, uncon it's not an emotion. It is a Christian characteristic. 
It can only come unconditionally and continually from the heart of one who has been born again. So now who is our model? Is there someone? A paradigm, an example? Well, here it is. Just as also Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God into an aroma of a sweet smell. Three of the five offerings gave a sweet smell to Yahweh. The first was the burnt offering, complete, total devotion. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. The burnt offering would have been after the sin and trespass. The burnt offering, after having been forgiven, would have been placed on the altar. The priest then taking a sharp knife and slicing open every piece of that animal so that nothing would be hidden. All of the insides came outside and nothing was hidden. This is me, I hide nothing from you. It is all yours, all of me is yours. And they would set fire to it. It was the burnt offering. It was a sweet smelling savor to Yahweh. The other two being the meal offering and the peace offering. The last two though, they were, they were stinky. The trespass, the sin offering. Those had to be done. You had to get those out of the way before the others. So this is Christ totally giving himself up to the will of the Father. John 6, what is the will of the Father? It starts in that passage that says, all that the Father has given to me will come to me. And of all who have come to me, I will never, ever cast him out. It's a double negative. I will not never cast him out. Absolutely never. He's mine. The Father gave him to me before the foundation of the world. And this is the will of the Father who sent me. That of all he has given to me, I will lose not one. Not one. So that Christ, because of what he has done, can bring us to the Father. It's a sweet smelling thing. All right. He is our model, Christ Jesus. We are being mandated to do everything in our Christian lives to live for our brothers and sisters in Christ just the way Christ lived and then gave himself for us. This is part, he's our model. Just also as Christ did this for us. But we have to watch for and beware of the corruption
I could have preached this 35, 40 years ago as a younger preacher earlier, earlier in ministry. And I could have said something like, well, these people lived in such a horrible setting. They uh, sexual activity and sexual perverse behavior, sexually perverse behavior, part of their worship. And it was in paganism. And I could have more identified in the preaching of it with the Ephesians and saying, you know, Paul is telling them they're going to have to come out of their idolatrous ways. But may I say, 40 years removed from then, it's just as applicable today to us. Here's what he says. However, do not let sexual immorality, the word is, the word is porneia. You add graphe to that, you get pornography. It's the opposite of the word for discipline. It means to be totally unrestrained. And total unrestraint in the biblical sense goes back to the base behavior of instinctive, whatever, dead nature, depraved nature of man is sexual immorality. That includes all of it, all of it. We, our society, even the world, but our society is bathed with sexual immorality. Sexually perverted behavior. An abomination to God. This is how they lived. This is how the world, apart from Christ, the world that is not in Christ. This, this is a base behavior. This is a great desire. This is where they want to live. This is a thing that is important to them. Sexual, maybe I should say misbehavior. Do not let sexual immorality. Now the next thing here is impurity. Akatharsia. The first time the word, it's used 11 times in the Greek New Testament and the first time that it is used Jesus Christ uses it and he uses the word to describe decay of a body that's inside of a tomb rottenness stench decay this gives us an idea of what happens to our lives when there is no discipline and there's no restraint and we collapse into whatever sexual behavior we want to do outside of marriage between a man and a woman as defined in the Bible. So anything outside of that is porneia, fornication, sexual immorality, it leads to impurity. All decay. The next 10 times that word is used in the New Testament in the Greek, it describes 
It describes the stench and decay of a life given over to sexual immorality. The next word is an interesting word in the New Testament. Pleonexia, covetousness. It could be greedy. It, it, it could be greediness and it also could be uh, fraud, to defraud someone. To trick people, to defraud because you want what they are. Don't let these be even named. Not even, don't let people even hint that any of this can be attached to your life as also is proper to saints. Now that life then leads to filthiness, foolish talking, and base jesting. Which are not fitting, but rather give over to thanksgiving. Let me tell you where this is headed. Sexual immorality, which gives birth to all kinds of bad things, including including bad talk about people, you know, uh, well, I won't, even, I won't even say it. It's just, how, how can I describe this in a dignified way? Maybe, I don't, let's see. <laughs> I'm stumped. I'm searching for a word. Uh, let's give this a try. Football practice is over. And all of the guys are filled with testosterone. Get out of my way. Not just that. The cheerleaders have just finished practicing. And the guys are saying things about the cheerleaders that they shouldn't say. Now, I don't know what the cheerleaders talk about in their gym, in their dressing room. But there's going to be some guy in there, or more than one, who's going to base everything that he says on his thoughts of sexual immorality. You understand where I'm headed with this? And that's going to give, that's going to give an open door to filthiness, foolish talking, and base jesting. That is not fitting in the church. So we give thanks for what we have. Now, in the greater context of this, we're not there, we're not going to be there for two or three weeks, but it's going to talk about husbands and wives. You see? Everything, it seems, in our society today seeks to attack the baser nature of humanity. 
with sexual innuendo. Leads to one thing, leads to another. Here's what, here's what Paul is saying. There's no place for that among the saints. None. None. None at all. This is not fitting for the church. So give yourselves over to thanking God for what you have. Thanksgiving. Then there's a warning. For you know this, realizing that any fornicator, unclean person, that's, that's the, the word that was used for impurity a while ago, only it's the unclean person, or covetous man, here's the kicker, who is an idolater. Did you know this thing starts way back in Canaan in, in the Bible? There may have been something like this in the pre-flood world, but we don't have that kind of definition. Information is sparse when it comes to the pre-flood world. But after that, consider, consider Canaan And then what comes out from Canaan, which is Babylon, and all of the awful lifestyles that exist are the exact copies of ancient pagan worship, fertility cults, Baal worship, Canaanite gods and goddesses, fertility cults. And in their temples, fertility gives to being fertile and productive, which leads to the human sexual behavior, which requires in a pagan sense, the prostitutes, both male and female, the heterosexuals and the homosexuals, and all that goes with it, the wine, the drunkenness, and the the incense that is burned, which is the opioids of the day, and people get high and drunk, and they carry on now. That same behavior exists in a different setting, but from the same root of evil. It's a form of idolatry. And that makes the person who practices those things an idolater. And that's no different today than it was in those days. If this is your lifestyle, you have no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. That's straightforward. If this identifies who you are, you're not part of us. Adrian Rogers once said, if your religion didn't change your life, then you'd better change your religion. Being in Christ as described in Ephesians 1, 2, and 3, that is a divine and supernatural thing that is out of our control and God does it. And when God does it, he doesn't mess around. He does it right. And in Christ, we are different. 
And so now we are followers, we are imitators, we are mimics of God and the best model. <laughs> it's God in Christ. If this is your lifestyle, you have no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ. You don't have anything with God. You're in darkness and you're lost. Which brings us finally to the appeal. And it's here. Verses 6 and 7. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. I have heard with my own ears the things that are just described previous to this that we saw. The sexual immorality, which covers everything that is sexual behavior apart from the institution of marriage, which is between a man and a woman. Any other behavior like that is condemned by God. It brings the wrath of God. It, it therefore is, the title is, you are in the, within the sons of disobedience. I have heard with my own ears, modern churches excusing such behaviors and things. Let no one deceive you with empty words. Those are useless words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. You don't have any part with that. It's not who you are. This is not fellowship. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And He came into this world to save sinners. Admit that you're a sinner. Believe in Jesus. Call on Him by confessing your sin to save you. And the Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is our invitation. Three great needs in your life. Number one, to be saved. Number two, in my opinion, once being saved, be obedient to the Lord's command in the Great Commission and be baptized. It's a great testimony to others. But beyond that, it's obedience to Christ. And thirdly, Align yourself in these last days with a church where the people believe the Bible and they teach it and preach it and teach it to one another and they become accountable to one another and responsible to one another and they love one another. That's where you need to live your Christian life in these last days. If any one or all three of those are on your mind today, our deacons... And why, some of our deacons and their wives will be in rooms just as you exit. You will see them standing in the doorway just as you go out the door. They'll be there ready to pray with you and to discuss with you God's will for your life. Thank you so much for being here today. Father God in heaven, 
Lord, now we see that we are under an apostolic imperative to be imitators of God, followers, mimics. Help us in our lives to spend our lives learning more and more and more about God and who He is and what He's like so that we can increasingly be obedient to that imperative from the Holy Spirit through the Apostle. Thank you, Lord, for the day that we've had. Now, Lord, as we face this storm, we pray, oh God, that you'll keep us all safe from harm and dismiss us with your love. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here.